Please turn with me in your Bibles now to the book of Acts. We are stepping away from our study in Ephesians for the time to focus on missions. We'll be looking at verses 26 through 40. Our passage this morning takes us to the most unlikeliest of places, a lonely road in ancient Philistine territory where a foreign eunuch is seeking the Lord. Now, this passage has wonderful things to teach us about missions, but although this is kind of a mission Sunday, it's not my desire to preach primarily about missions That is an implication of what I'm going to be preaching about. I want you to focus today on the loving heart of God the Father who never turns away those who seek him through Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, give us faith, Help us to receive your word the right way and respond with delight and obedience and love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed, passed through, he preached the gospel 
to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Amen. Along the banks of the Blue Nile, a thousand miles south of the Mediterranean Sea, you can still see the famous pyramids of Meroe. They are almost all that remains of the ancient capital of the kingdom of Cush, otherwise known in our Bibles as Ethiopia. But it was probably there that our remarkable story begins with a man who learned a lesson that's just as true today as it was then. But no matter where you are from, no matter how far away you feel, no matter what your condition, God is a rewarder of those who seek him. As God promised his people through his prophet Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Now, in the big picture of the book of Acts, it is really God who is the seeker. It's the Father who seeks people to worship him in spirit and in truth, not just in a temple in Jerusalem or a mountain in Samaria. It is the Son who has come to seek and to save the lost, not just those in Israel, but to the ends of the earth. And it is the Spirit who has sent out Philip here to gather up a church from all nations. And so it was promised in the beginning of Acts when our Lord Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And that is exactly what has happened so far if we had been reading through the book of Acts to this point. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit from heaven to his disciples gathered together in Jerusalem. And the church in Jerusalem grew by the thousands. And then Paul, Saul began ravaging them. And they went out in all directions. And it says they went out preaching the word. And so the church grew just as Jesus had said, first in Jerusalem and then into all Judea. And earlier in this chapter, Philip carries the gospel to Samaria. But Ethiopia, that is, that is the ends of the earth. To the Greeks and the Romans, that was considered the ends of the earth. The Greek poet Homer wrote that the Ethiopians lived at the world's end. Another Greek historian wrote that Ethiopia stretched out the furthest of all inhabited lands. I know that sounds silly to us today with our entire maps filled up. But to them, this was, this was the ends of the earth. But this Ethiopian actually isn't in Ethiopia, is he? He is in Gaza. He is returning from worshiping the Lord in Jerusalem. And isn't it amazing that someone had come from so far away and wished to seek the, to worship the Lord in Jerusalem? The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how he ever came to find out about the Lord. There are many gods. There were many gods in Ethiopia at this time. There were many gods in Egypt in between Ethiopia and Israel. But perhaps he had come across some Jewish teaching in his travels as a treasurer to the queen. 
It may have been in his very suffering as a eunuch, which God in his merciful providence led to his hearing about the Lord. I wish we knew more of his story. Somehow, against all odds, just the right events occurred that a man from Ethiopia would hear of the Lord and seek his face in Jerusalem. But this was not actually an ordinary man, if he could be considered a man at all. He was a eunuch. And although he was in a powerful position, helping Candace, the queen, I don't think any of the men in this room would probably want to switch places with him. You can't marry. You cannot have a family. We can only imagine what dreams he may have had which were taken away from him. But somewhere along the way, this man embarked on what was likely a five-month journey to go from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. Children, I wonder, you would have to get up quite early in the morning to come to worship God today if you had to travel that far you can see this, this man must have loved God, didn't he? Now, when you ascend the Temple Mount, you would have first entered a place called the Court of the Gentiles. That's as far as this man, who had traveled so far, could have gone. There, there were signs there in Latin and in Greek that said, if you came any closer, that your death would be your own fault. After that, There was the court of the women, and then there was the court of the Israelites, then the court of the priests, and then the holy place, and last of all, the holy of holies inside the temple. But this man, who had spent so much time coming to the Lord, was stuck all the way back down the stairs in the court of the Gentiles. And worshiping God there was almost impossible. It was like a zoo. In that time, there were people yelling, bartering. There were oxen and sheep, birds chirping. Every once in a while, a leper would stroll past you and get to come closer to God than you could. No one, it seemed, cared about the worship of the Gentiles. At least, no one but the Jewish Messiah. You see, if this eunuch had been there just a few months earlier, a few years earlier, he would have seen Jesus overturning temples, uh, overturning tables, sorry, and driving out money changers. Because, you see, Jesus cared about the worship of foreigners like you and me. He came to clear the way for us to come to God. And if that eunuch had been there that day when the Lord Jesus was turning over the the tables, chasing out the money changers, he would have heard him quoting the prophet Isaiah. My house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations. But Jesus wasn't here now. So the best this eunuch could have done would be to pray, hope that God might hear him over all the animals and the money changers around him. He couldn't come any closer, 
And because he was a eunuch, he was also perpetually unclean. If he had asked, what prevents me from being circumcised and joining Israel? The answer would have been obvious. But nevertheless, he was not done seeking the Lord. It's likely that sometime during his visit to Jerusalem, he probably procured at great cost a scroll of the, of the prophet Isaiah. Because we see in our passage this morning that he's reading it on the way back. And there in the book of Isaiah, he would be able to see over and over again God's loving heart for foreigners and for outcasts. Isaiah 2.2 says, The mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains, and all the nations will stream to it. I imagine his heart might have jumped a little bit when he got to chapter 18, which was written to the Ethiopians. It's, it's a passage of judgment, but nevertheless it says that one day a gift of homage would be brought to the Lord from his land. In chapter 25, God promised that he would prepare a lavish banquet for all the peoples. In chapter 42, he would have read about Jesus Christ, that he would be a light to the nations. And it says this, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praise from the end of the earth. That's him. That's you and me too. In chapter 45, he would have seen and read from the rising of the sun to its setting, men would know the Lord. It says this too, turn to me, all the ends of the earth, and be saved, for I am God, and there is no other. I remember this is the verse that converted the great preacher Charles Spurgeon. He was a little boy at the time, came into the congregation, And he was feeling, as some unknown minister was preaching this verse, talking about how you don't need anything to come to God. Just just look. Look to him and be saved. He began to feel the weight. The Holy Spirit was convicting his heart. And he began to sink lower and lower into his chair. And the man preaching looked directly at him and said, Young man, you look miserable. And you will always be miserable until you obey my text. The nations are miserable without God. They are to this day. There's no other way for them to be if they are away from the Lord. But he graciously invites us, as the eunuch would have read, turn to me all the ends of the earth and be saved. That's an invitation for everyone, even in the Old Testament. For I am God. There is no other. But there was also so much that this eunuch could not understand. How he must have longed for someone to guide him. How he must have desired someone like Isaiah 52 describes. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who announces peace 
and brings news of happiness, who announces salvation. You see, in those days, before the internet and cell phones, men would come running in from the battlefield to announce whether they had won or lost the battle. And you could tell what the news was from a distance. If it was bad news, you could probably see the sadness, the desperation, the panic in the way they ran. But if good news, how lovely were their feet. How happy to bring the good news. Brothers and sisters, we have good news. There are so many in our lives, perhaps, like this Ethiopian eunuch who are looking for the answer, trying to find out what is the purpose in life. Why are they here on earth? How can they be saved? And they have desired for someone to share the gospel with them, although they may not even realize it. And it may be that you, like Philip, find yourselves in uh, having one of these opportunities in the most unexpected of places. For this, you see, was a desert road. God had not sent Philip to some large city, to New York, to Tokyo, to some capital. He sent him to a desert where there was only one guy around because that shows God's heart for everyone who seeks the Lord. Now, as this eunuch was reading chapter 52 and 53, he read about a man who was rejected and marred like he was. It says, he was marred more than any man. Yet this man, the next verse says, would sprinkle many nations. You see, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was led to the slaughter like a lamb. Who is this man? He wondered. Oh, that somebody could tell me. And as he was reading these words from Isaiah 53, what's that he sees in the distance? It's a man running to him in the desert with the lovely feet that he had just been reading about in Isaiah 52. You know the rest of the story. Philip had been sent to the desert, to this very place, at this very moment, because you see, God is a rewarder of those who seek him. And that is why God calls to you today, turn to me, all the ends of the earth, and be saved, for I am God and no other, no other Savior but the one whom Philip preached. And brothers and sisters, consider him. Consider how much he loves you. Consider how he has suffered for you. Consider what he gave up for you. Consider what he has accomplished for you and purchased for you, procured for you, promised you. Consider what love the Father had to send his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. His Son was sent to a place that was not welcoming to him. His life was sought from the moment he was born. He was marred 
he was humiliated more than any man. In Isaiah 6, it's amazing. Angels covered their faces because they could not set their eyes on his glory. In Isaiah 53, we turn our faces away because his shame was so profound it embarrasses us. But it was our shame that he bore. In all our afflictions, he was afflicted. Even though he was rich, he became poor for your sake, so that you by his poverty might become rich. He became weak to shame the strong. He became foolish to put the wisdom of the world to shame. He became homeless, not just at his birth, but all through his life, the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head, so that you could receive a home, a kingdom, which could not be shaken. He remained silent before Pilate so that he could always intercede for you in heaven. He was rejected that you might be accepted. He was forsaken that you could be adopted. He was denied. He was betrayed. He was whipped. He was cursed so you could be blessed. He was mocked so God could rejoice over you as his possession. He was arrested so that you could be set free. He was whipped so you could be healed. He was crucified so you could be saved from your sins. And he was raised so that you could be declared righteous before God. And he has sat down now where he now is at the right hand of God to show that everything he had to do on earth to save you is done. It is finished. It is finished. This is the Christ that Jesus preached, and it is the Christ to whom you must turn if you wish to be saved, for he is God and there is no other. It is the Christ that all must hear and turn to, for there is no other way, no other Savior, and they are lost if they do not know him. Now, as we read this passage, there are several implications for evangelism. Lessons about God's sovereignty. Nothing is random. God is orchestrating everything around you for the good of those who love him and those who seek his face. Certainly there is a lesson here in the bigger picture of the gospel, of the story of Acts, as the gospel is now being spread, as Jesus said, from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, now to all the ends of the earth. But what I want you to focus on is the loving heart of God the Father seen in the rescue of this Ethiopian eunuch. Someone you would never miss if you'd never heard about him. Would have gone unknown. But God knew. And if you seek him, he knows. It is not in vain. If you wish to seek him, he promises you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you. He wants us to know him. Our God is loving. He's merciful when we don't expect it. He hears our prayers and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And all this was true when a marred Ethiopian was introduced to Jesus Christ on a desert road in Gaza. Philip heard him reading 
as people generally read aloud in those days. And he asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And he answers, how can I unless someone guides me? And that might be the easiest introduction, invitation to share the gospel that has ever, ever occurred. It might not be so easy uh, where you are, but don't be surprised if God has been working on that person's heart, preparing him just the moment that you come to share the gospel. Notice what Philip did. It says that beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus. And this is what evangelism is all about. You don't have to be a biblical scholar to be able to share the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is the good news. All you have to do is introduce one person to someone else that you know. And Jesus does the work. You see in the first chapter of John how many people met Jesus. And they said, come, we found the Messiah. We found the one whom Moses and the prophets spoke about. And they, they, they didn't graduate seminary. They didn't pass a course in evangelism explosion. They just go out and they just bring people to Jesus. You don't have to win the arguments. Just bring people to Jesus. And that's what Philip did. He began to preach Jesus. This man who this passage says would bear the sins of many, carry our griefs, and sprinkle many nations. But would God accept this Ethiopian? He was not an Israelite. He was a foreigner. He was a eunuch. He was perpetually unclean. If he had asked, what prevents me from being circumcised? There would be something. But what prevents him from being baptized, washed clean? Nothing. Only believe. You're never so far away that Jesus cannot reach you. He is willing. He is able. And so the chariot was stopped, and it just so happened in God's providence that in this desert road, there was water. And there he was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the eunuch's sake. Jesus, who was marred beyond all men for you, for me, for this eunuch, for all who believe, no matter how far away you are, because you also see that Philip was not sent to the desert just for the eunuch, but so that you and I today would know that God is a rewarder of those who seek him, and those who seek him will be found by them, by him. Philip was then taken away miraculously to continue preaching the gospel in the ancient land of the Philistines. And the eunuch went away rejoicing. According to some authors of the early church, this Ethiopian was a man named Simeon Bacos. And he became a missionary to Ethiopia. I don't know if that's actually true, but he is still on his way to Ethiopia and he does have a copy of Isaiah with him which would be a pretty good thing to have to share the gospel. And that's where the story ends. 
until we hear more of it in heaven. But, you know, I always wished that I could have sat with this eunuch in his chariot for just a few miles more if he kept reading in Isaiah and to see his face when he gets to Isaiah 56, three chapters later. It was a passage he must have thought was written just for him, just at that moment. It says this, Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, and choose what pleases me, and hold fast my covenant. To them I will give in my house, and within my walls, a memorial, and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name, which will not be cut off. Also, the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, even those I will bring to my holy mountain, and make them joyful in my house of prayer." For my house would be called a house of prayer for all the nations. That is what Jesus quoted. Isn't God wonderful? Isn't isn't he a wonderful savior? Do you see, brothers and sisters, his heart, the heart of God the Father, sending his son so that you might come and rejoice in his house of prayer. Let us, let us also seek him. Lord, we thank you for your great word. Thank you for your great love. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for, instead of coming directly to the eunuch to bring him to yourself, you are pleased to use Philip. You are pleased to use us. We ask that you would use us. And we ask that if there's anyone here who does not know you, Lord, make them miserable. Weigh on them until that you bring them to yourself. Help them to find no rest until they find their rest in you where they might rejoice forever. In Jesus' name we pray.